I want to preach to you tonight on having some goals in 2002. I'll tell you what I preached last Wednesday night on this fact of you ought to take inventory on your life. And tonight I'm going to preach on what about some goals in your life. You know why you achieve nothing for God? You haven't got any plans. You have no plans. You haven't found out what God has planned for your life. I don't know what the Lord has for Brother Estes over there in uh, Kuwait, but I know He's been faithful here! And he's been out soul winning and had Luke with him, his sidekick there. I'm telling you. And he's well informed, too. I, I had you on my message already, brother. I just didn't think this up right now. Now, don't blow away on us. He's going to be faithful. I mean, he was faithful before he came here, see. He, he was a soul winner before he got here. Concerned about souls. I tell you, brother, Estes up on the issues, too. So it shows you can be up on the issues of, of the day. And, and the things like that, being well-informed, and you still love souls. You don't have to trade one out for the other. Some people say, well, I stand for the Lord. Yeah, who do you get saved? Other people, you know what they do? They're, they're soul winners, and, and yet they don't stand up for, for Christ. That's not good either, but at least, at least the, the Great Commission is, go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We better major. I, here's part of my sermon. We're to major, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, major on the majors and minor on the minors. The major thing is getting the gospel out. That's what this church is all about, getting the gospel out. Getting people saved and then training them how to go out and reach others and how to get their attitudes right, keep their attitudes right. In Philippians 1.21 it says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Stand with me, please. I'll read two other verses. We'll read that one. And then Philippians 3.14. And then Matthew 20, uh, 23. There's three verses here. We'll read all three. It may be good for you. Matthew 23.24. And then Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1.21. And then Philippians 3.14. All right, we'll read these three verses. And we could use another one, but I don't know where it's found, but that one, you know, that we should follow in His steps, I'm going to be mentioning that a great deal. We should walk as Jesus would have us walk. What would Jesus do? Where would Jesus go? What would He say? All right, Philippians 1.21. Read that with me, please. Philippians 1, verse 21, as we read this in unison. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I'll read verse 13 first. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Let's read this next verse now. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then over to Matthew 23, 24. This is where we can get sidetracked. I know this is written to unbelievers and about unbelievers, but we need to be careful as Christians to take heed to the words of the Master as well. 23, 24, as we read it together. Matthew 23, verse 24. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Let's pray. Father, bless the Word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but Thou hast said, My words shall not pass away. And I pray that we get some goals in our minds, in our hearts, and in our families, and in our church. And dear Lord, forget the things which are behind and press toward the prize, the mark of the prize, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord. Our Father, how many people going around griping and complaining about everything, and they, they're never going to get a blessing from Thee because they don't know how to give thanks and praise. May we thank Thee in everything. Give thanks. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. See, our problem is, Dr. Bob Sr. also preached on it, is is you're out there with your gun and you're trying to get a possum up a tree. And as you're going along, you get off on a rabbit trail. 
Now that's all right in sermons sometimes because the rabbit trails produce some good fruit sometimes. But in your life, you need to set your face. The Bible says that Jesus set His face as a flint to Jerusalem. We need to just get some sights and get some... What are you going to do with your life? What does God want to do with your life, young man? Young lady? Middle-aged person? What in the world are you going to do with your life? If you keep running it the way you're running it and don't let God run it, you're going to be in a mess. That's what you're going to be. And your kids are going to be in a worse mess. And all your friends and relatives around you are going to be in a worse mess. You're going to either help people on to victory or you're going to tear them down and bring them down. Jesus said, follow me. I want to know, do you act like you're following Jesus? The way you talk to your wife or your husband? The way you talk to your kids? The way you pray for your kids? The way you pray for the pastor? in the church, and the people in the church. My heart is fixed, the Scripture says. My heart is fixed. May our heart be fixed on Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Just looking at a little film today of uh, Flame in the Wind. I'll tell you the good thing about Flame in the Wind. It's all centered around a young man getting saved. I mean, films that don't get that you know that's the, that's the problem with the uh, the uh, Dobson films. They're not centered around people getting saved. You hear what I said? They teach you how to have a good family, and they don't use hardly any scriptures. But I'll tell you how to have a, have a good family. Make sure everybody's saved in the family. That'd be a good start. Half of these people, you can't counsel them. They're not saved. If they want to leave their wife or their husband and go off and marry someone else or live with someone else, they need to get saved or check up. Their heart's not right with God. Do they want the same avenue and the same problems that David had? Do they want the same wrath of God on them as Solomon had with his thousand wives and concubines? Just try to in America, and it'll be all over you too. They'll lock you in jail. Thank God can't have bigamy in this country, except out in Utah, because it's undercover. But you tell me those Mormons don't have more than one wife. I've heard too many testimonies. Right over here in the trailer park I heard about five years ago. Well, I don't need to get into that. Anyhow, uh, follow me. We ought to constantly consider what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus pray? What would Jesus emphasize in his life? What are you emphasizing in your life? The Lord Jesus Christ did not say go and preach politics. That is not the Bible way. If that's all you do is emphasize politics, you're not right with God. I said you're not right with God. I'll say it four or five more times. You can save this country only by people getting saved. They don't get their heart right. You can make them vote right and everything will go wrong in the next generation anyhow. You've got to get their hearts. That's what took alcohol out of this area. People got saved and there was revival. Great preaching. Great evangelistic crusades. Our country one time, you couldn't even buy alcoholic beverages. But that sure meant everybody was saved. No, it didn't at all. There was just morals because there were so many who did know Christ, who preached up and spoke up. And they adhered to the Word of God and they knew the Word of God. The average person walks into this church, they don't know one thing about the Bible. Unless they've been an independent Baptist in the past. They don't know much of anything about the Bible. Now, I believe years ago they knew quite a bit about the Bible. If nothing else, they knew the principles of the Scriptures. By the way, if you're the one in the church that they say, oh, uh, it's the lady with all the makeup. I'm not preaching on makeup tonight. But if it's, if it's the, the fellow like a certain fellow who used to be here in our church and all he did is pass out his literature and he didn't ask my permission half the time either. I'm glad he's gone. Let him go up to Faith Baptist and mess up there. He was out there in the march with us too. But he ought to get out and get people saved. Quit his messing around with a bunch of unbelievers. 
in the John Birch Society or any other society. You're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them if they're unbelievers, if they're Roman Catholics. You're not to be involved with them and all that kind of junk. People act like, well, the only place you can get involved with everybody else and the people in the community is in politics. No, you stay away from them. You preach Christ to them. You bring them to church and get them saved. The Bible never says we're to preach politics. Go ye into all the world and preach politics. It doesn't say that. So are you the are you the one in the church that everybody says, oh, he's the one. All he preaches is politics. Politics. Politics never got anybody to Calvary. The gospel gets people to Calvary. They can't go to heaven with politics. They can vote every time right, and the whole nation and their own soul and their family will die and go to hell. There's a lot of Catholics that vote right. They are against abortion. And we're not going to go into all the world and preach against, preach uh, uh, what's wrong with abortion all the time. Preach it, yes, but the gospel saves people. I said the gospel saves people. And the gospel blesses Christians. It gets people saved and that encourages Christians. How are you affecting anybody? Well, goals for yourself, for your family, for your ministry. What about, do you have any goals of your spiritual growth for next year? You want to be stronger spiritually next year? You want your children to be stronger spiritually next year? What about... Daily Bible reading, family devotions, training of your children. I get so amused at all these people that want to they want to get all their information from everywhere else, but from the the church they go to. I thank God for Sammy Allen. I do. I've gone to his meeting, and I enjoyed it. If you don't enjoy shouting, that's your business. I enjoy it. I don't think I take it every day. Because sometimes it's fake. Amen? It can't end up in foolishness. But I'll tell you one thing I liked about Sammy Allen when I heard it one day is they had a great track ministry. Did you hear? See, they're nodding their head. That's about, well, when I heard that, I said, praise God for uh, Sammy Allen being in, involved with the track ministry. Because that's what we, listen, we can't just sit around and, I'm thankful for his three camp meetings a year too, though. That's for good for Christians. They have a lot of people get saved. They really preach salvation there too. But man, you've got to have an outreach, friends. You've got to reach out with some gospel tracts. You've got to do something that will get people lost so they can get saved. So what I'm talking about here is here Nathan, newly saved. If he does not stay around a soul-winning church, he'll be destroyed with it. And in regard, he'll, be, he'll think he ought to be, uh, you know, just sit there and, and do nothing. He's got to be in the right church. Hugh Wall's got to be in the right church. He gets in the wrong church in this area, and he may not be here for good either. When he came, he's an older person. I said, I don't know if he'll ever fit in this church. I thank God that you saved him. And Lord, we don't have any old people here except me. And I said, if, if he goes down the next church, I'll just praise God he got saved. I mean, you've got to just be like that. you just got to say, praise the Lord, they got saved. I think it was real. And here he was talking. I mean, he, he may never get, get baptized, but he told Pastor Hammond's last service that he wanted to get baptized. So I asked Pastor Hammond, does he want to join the church too? And he didn't know. But, but if, he wants, if he's that concerned, call me up and say, then why don't you come by the house and be worried about me. At least he could, somebody around here has t- taken some time with Hugh Walt. And if, if you haven't, where were you? I said, where were you? Worried about all your mess, and other people need fellowship. They need help. I'm glad Brother Estes was there for Hugh Wall. He said, I like that. Brother Paul, I had forgotten your first name, but he remembered it. I said, oh, you mean Brother Estes? Yeah, yeah, he, that's the one. He said, I kind of like him. Yeah, does anybody like you? Because you're nice to them and you're kind to them and you know how to talk to them and you're sweet to them? Or you say, oh, that crank. Or that woman, she could learn how to smile once in a while, couldn't she? All she does is... (laughs) And when she talks, she never says anything. Hmm? Are you going to grow in your attitude? That That was prayed here. I don't know. I think it was David who prayed. I don't know. One of you prayed. Uh, Lord, help us with our attitude. 
One of the three prayed. Attitude, I guess it was Jody. I don't know. One of the three fellows prayed about their attitude. You know the grave, grave problem. What, are you going to pray? Are you going to have a better attitude in, in 2002? Than you did before? Toward the pastor? See, if you start finding fault with the pastor, you won't be here in two years. Amen? And it sure shows you're not praying for me very much. You start finding fault with Pastor Hammonds, the way he leads the music, the songs he picks. Mm-hmm. Well, last two or three years, we've had a major problem with Christmas. Because these people who think that they don't, they don't like Christmas. We've had a major problem. I've already addressed it to Pastor Hammonds. And we're going to do everything we can to get the information out there earlier. Now, I like what I heard on the radio. You know what they did? They started in November. I heard that on the radio. I heard some good things on the radio by the secular thing on Christmas Day. I was really surprised. Heard some nice music and some things about Christ. But you know what? This, even this, this uh, fellow who's way far from our belief, he said, in my country, they used to start uh, Christmas at, at the first day of Christmas, and then it was two or three weeks after that, whatever it was. And he said, but now, America, because of money, 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 they start right on November 1st. That's why we've, and what he said is just, it's, it's just completely done away with, with uh, Thanksgiving. You know why someone told me? They said, you know why they don't have Thanksgiving? There's no money in it turkeys, a few little cards, nobody gives gifts, right? Just God gives everything, and you give thanks, and who are you supposed to thank? Can't thank the Easter bunny. He's supposed to be at Easter time. Can't thank Santa Claus. He's at Christmas time. So who do you thank? Well, you don't want to thank anybody, so you just forget Thanksgiving completely, or else you give thanks to God. So, you know, so what are your plans in 2002? I think we ought to have a Thanksgiving service. I think we ought to make a big deal about it, and I think we ought to put an, uh, a news item in the paper because no one else cares anything about it. I thought about it this year. And we ought to have, it, it's always on, you know, we'll just have it on Wednesday night. We'll have our Thursday, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving Day Eve service, and we'll have, make a big deal about it. And we'll just have a day of thank, uh, Wednesday night Thanksgiving. If they're going to let it out and not have anything to do with it, we'll just double up on it. But I want to know something. If, if you're not doing this and you're not doing this, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you going out soul winning like Brother, uh, Brother George Godfrey or Brother George Compton? Are you talking nice like Mrs. Magnuson? Your attitude, so important. I have that listed here. I already have it underlined, but whoever prayed it, it's a good prayer. Are you growing in knowledge, growing grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Are you growing in love to God and love for other people? Are you going to ask God to help you to love Him more next year? Are you going to ask the Lord to help you to love other people more in 2002? Souls saved. you going to ask the Lord for any souls to be saved in 2002? We sure didn't get many to Christ in 2001, did we? Hmm? Most of us could have done a whole lot better than we did in 2001, even with the catastrophe. You know, we were so busy talking about the catastrophe of 9-11, but who was getting anybody saved? And then, about, and then we get this Christmas time, you know. Everybody, and we, we have these people like the Shields who, who didn't even want to salute the flag and didn't like people in their greens here in church. And here he was in intelligence right over in, in there, and he, in Russian intelligence, that he didn't like uh, the fellows coming in greens and didn't like our flag, American flag, in the church. Don't even claim to be a Christian! You're nuts! Don't claim to be a part of this church. You're crazy about the wrong things. He didn't believe in Christmas. What did he believe? Say, did his wife dress right? She dressed right. But he needed to get his heart right. Get out of the army. You don't want a flag here. And and we got a flag almost on every house in all America today because of 9-11. I think that guy's an idiot. He's a young novice, 
And he thinks he knows everything and he needs to get... He's not even uh, dry behind the ears yet in his spiritual walk with God. And a lot of these guys get off on these rabbit trails. Why don't you use Christmas to try to get someone saved? Whether you believe it or not, why don't you try to get someone saved? Their hearts are more tender at this time. They're thinking about the baby Jesus and the mother and the, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That He came into the world. Spend all your time on all this paraphernalia. Well, I'm not going to have a tree. Well, we're not going to have one in this church either. So I'll go see now because some people think that Jeremiah is that verse on it. It isn't. Because they fell down and worshipped that tree. And I don't know anybody still worshipping a tree. But some of them, the only reason there's that, that much emphasis on, on Christmas right now is money. A love of money. But why don't we try to use it? What about Easter? They already changed that. used to be Easter vacation for you young ones. When I was your age, now it's spring break. Say, well, I know, but the word Easter... It's in your King James Bible. You say, well, it should be Passover there. Then you're not too strong in the King James Bible, are you? Oh, these people. I'm telling you, so many people, they're so full of Ruckman's mess and they believe the Bible, King James, King James, King James, and they don't even obey it in, in their marriage status or in preaching the Gospel. Shame on them. Get out of the ministry. If you say you believe this book, then you ought to obey the book. I've heard that that group is very weak on standards, too. A lot of these people are strong on the book, but they're not strong. Listen, you say, well, preacher, you act like you know everything up here. I'm supposed to know about all this stuff. You don't have time, Brother Williams, to check up on everything. Now, if you get full time after you retire, then you better learn more of this and spend more time in it. But just now, just keep getting people saved. Witness to everybody and keep your own heart right and your wife right and family right. That would be enough for you right now. Amen? With all the field training you're doing. Do you hear what I said? I said, that's my job to make sure you don't get wrapped up in some isms and spasms and get off and get on, on that rabbit trail when you need to get on the possum trail and treat that possum for God. I'm telling you, when you let down on soul winning, you're going in the wrong direction. These schools that emphasize soul winning, blessings on them. We need emphasis in soul winning. Ask Brother Metcalf. I don't know how many churches you were in. How many churches were you in, Brother Metcalf? Approximately. He's been in that many churches already? Good. Well, man, you're about a third of the way on your way to your support then. Amen. Okay, 60, 50 or 60 churches he's been in. 50 or 60, and how many of them have a regular soul winning program that you know of? Of course, you couldn't find out from all of them. Only four that they knew of. Well, that's all I'd join is four of them. If they didn't have a soul winning program, I wouldn't go to that church and put my tithe in that church for anything in this world. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And 30 years ago, every independent Baptist church had a Thursday soul winning program. I said every one of them did or they were no account in backslidden churches. They didn't go out when they felt like it or when they could find the preacher either. They went out if the preacher was out of town traveling, they still went out soul winning, just like we do here twice a week. I think people are still going to hell. I think Brother Compton is still winning some. In four days, he led nine people to Christ, and he said he's never had that wonderful, glorious blessing and privilege before. But his wife's gone now, and he just stays out on the... He's, just, he's like a hound dog on the trail, the blood trail of, of sinners who need the blood of Christ. Say, well, I, I don't know how to lead souls to the Lord. No, you're really working at it, aren't we? Shame on us. As much as we know and how little we do. And how little we do in the Spirit. With a tear in our eye, really wanting to help someone get saved. Really wanting to see God break their heart. One time someone wrote me a letter. Told me that 
There were very few people that I led to the Lord or said I led to the Lord that ever came to church. Well, I don't know, I don't know if he ever told me that he ever led one to the Lord that came through at all. And if he'd have been listening, he'd have known how many times I said that God will get all the glory and won't share it with us anyhow. A lot of times he won't let them come to church. They'll go and join some other church. I think the fellow need to listen up more. God won't share his glory with another. You say, well, why aren't you as good as Brother Godfrey? I want to know why you're not. Huh? Because all Brother Godfrey does is eat, drinks, and sleep so with him. And you just aren't that case yet. I haven't seen you. Some of you are pretty close, but not there yet. Okay? Come on, smile at me now. You say, what are you doing? Reproving and rebuking me. That's right. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Only one of them is ex- or exhort. The other two, so two-thirds of it ought to be reproving and rebuking you. Amen. Amen? I'm doing my job. What about prayer? Are you going to be doing more praying next year than you did this year? Quantity praying, a lot of praying, three times a day. David prayed. Daniel prayed three times a day. And some of us shame us. We don't pray in a concerted way, in a definite way, hardly once a day. I'm preaching to you. Well, I'm pointing my finger at you. I have three coming back. We're going to be doing more praying next year than we did in 2001. We're a prayerless people. And then do we have quality prayer? So you can have fervent preaching. I kind of think that fervent preaching kind of sometimes produces fervent Christians. And we need fervent praying too, though. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer. What about fellowship? I've got that written down here. Time with your wife. Time with your children. What about fellowship? Do you, who do you fellowship with? Do you spend any time fellowshiping? Do you think you, fellowship's important? Your wife needs fellowship. Amen? I'm not telling you, a lot of times people lie about not wanting to be in church. You know what the women do? They go in the, and they want to stay in the nursery all the time. They're always getting up out of the service all the time. Spend all the time. I'm not talking about anybody right here. I, I'm a smile at me now, all of you. I'm not talking about you. I said this is generally what happens when they get out of sorts with the preacher or what's being preached. So well, I don't need to listen to that loud mouth. I'll go, in the, I'll go in there and I'll spout my loud mouth. Pour all my venom over everyone else in the nursery. That's why you better keep that thing on in the nursery. Turn it up. Say it'll wake up the kids. It'll wake up the people in there too. And maybe it'd be better to be louder than the kids crying. Maybe it'd be good for you. Well, how many Christian women, they lie. They say, my kids are sick. I'm not talking about anybody today. I don't know. But I know one thing. A lot of women, they lie. They don't want to sit under the strong preaching. Hmm? Come on now. Some of you might even say, I've done that before. Some of you might say, I've never done that before. Well, then don't think about it anymore. But make sure you stay away from others if they're, all they're doing is feeding you a bunch of venom in the nursery or somewhere else. Or if they can just drop by your house or they're at your house all the time. Listen, if their heart's not right with God, it will not help you to have them in your house at all. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to have disgruntled people who don't agree with the preacher. I heard about someone just the other day, and they don't agree with me. I knew on alcohol, but they don't agree with me on divorce either. I couldn't believe that when I heard that one. I said, oh, there's another one. No wonder they can't sit under my preaching so much. We had another fellow, young fellow, who had a marital problem not too long ago. He went over to Brother McVaney. He was at Brother McVaney's, and he left Brother McVaney. And before he left Brother McVaney, he was over at McDonald's one Wednesday night, and he, he asked one of our people, and it was Jody, wasn't it? And he says, why does he talk, why does your preacher, all he preaches about is, is uh, d- uh, divorce and remarriage, or why do you all stand like that? Why did he stay away from my people? Right. Put his venom on someone else. Right. You say, do you love him? Sure, I love him. I, I, I was encouraging him to go in the ministry, but I won't anymore. 
because he had an annulment. Now, you going to lay your hands on him? Ordain him in the ministry? Hmm? He said it was just a foreign girl coming in the country and he never touched her. He may be lying about that and he may be telling the truth about that. I don't know if I'd... You don't, listen, you can get, get people to get... Listen, you don't have to have two people come together to be married. Amen? Marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. I want you to know it's not right for people who uh, cohabitate together. They're, they're just together and staying together and living together as husband and wife if they cannot physically come together. Amen? Come on. After you perform that ceremony, if that, if that, that young couple... Listen, your insurance goes that way. Amen? I'm telling you, and they're taking a trip, and they're on their honeymoon, and they never come together. I'll tell you, they're still married. Marriage is a holy thing. It's not all flesh. Amen? It's, it's all spirit. <laughs> and it is right and gives the right for two to come together physically. But that is not marriage, or people would be married five and ten times before they ever really got married. Marriage is not physical union. Sometimes it's just outright fornication sin. Well, amen. Preachers ought to do a lot of studying on that, too. Otherwise, we'll have some... I had some weddings in the past, and I'll never, get, I'll never marry people like that again. I had one wedding... You young fellows need to be careful. I had one wedding out in the backyard. It was beautiful. Everything was beautiful. And then, unbeknowing to me, I didn't know the people, and they had champagne in the, in the garage. I said, I'm out of here. And I said, I'll never do that again. I didn't know that. So I decided I'll just marry people that, are, that I know. Fellowship. Time with your wife. Time with your children. And you better limit your time on the computer. You better limit your time on the computer games. The great problem with computer games is that too many of them, they don't involve enough people. And there's no fellowship there. And I'm against card playing too, but the thing is that even in card playing, you can... I, I'm not for it now. I'm against it. All right, hello, good morning, good evening, good, good day. Amen. Uh, what I'm saying is, listen, even over a card game, though, you can talk and have some fellowship. But these, these computer games, I'm telling you, it's a mess. You can even get to know Mrs. Harvey a little bit better. If she doesn't break your hand. Lin, Linda learned it all with the spoons from her mother, I'm sure. The spirit, the spirit I'm talking about. This took place yesterday. No broken limbs, but almost too many of them. Okay. Anyhow, that was a table game, by the way. Okay. Anyhow, so you, you know how to pray for me a little bit better in the future. Hey, man, she, she wouldn't use a spoon on me. She, she, oh, she hit me. Yes, Lord, never I will get into that. I said, I know you bruised me up. She said, you're a big baby just like Brother Lightsey. I said, we all are. You better leave us alone. Amen. When I'm sick, you better you better be my nurse and be sweet to me. Amen. All right. What church would Jesus attend or join and give his tithe to? Church that doesn't have soul winning visitation? When the preacher never obligates himself to be out there himself? See, you've not been a pastor, you people. There's not a person here who's been a pastor. You think it's you think it's it's uh, it's easy to go out Tuesday night and Saturday all the time. Go ask Pastor Hammonds too. He's in charge of it. I'm allowed to let you in charge of it too. Uh, amen. Then you know what that does for poor Pastor Hammonds? It makes sure he stays on his toes, soul winning wise. That's good for him. That's good for him. But what about me? I need to be there to lead my people. There's a lot of pastors like up at. Fairhaven and everything, they send all their people out and never go themselves. They never show up because they're the big pastor. I think that's wrong. 
I know that they're busy sometimes, but a lot of these pastors, they're plumb too busy about things that aren't that important. And soul winnings of utmost importance. Importance. They take your men out once in a while. Oh, he said, never, Lord, the, the devil never tempted you to just go, go and uh, sit down somewhere and have a cup of coffee. Well, you have another thing coming, don't you? The same devil talks to you, talks to me. He says, you're too tired. Hmm? Well, we're not too tired to go out and play football. Try to beat George up a little bit. Hmm? We have time for what we want to do. Right? We better go soul winning. See, and all we do, what we do is we find someone like the big church up uh, near Chicago that had a problem, and all we do is point our finger, point our finger. But I'll tell you what, I thank God for the soul winning emphasis that came out of there, even though I don't agree with some other things that were in bad shape, I think terrible shape. And only eternity will reveal how bad some things were. But I'm telling you this, I thank God for the soul winning emphasis. It is essential to our church's well-being. We need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? So that they'll get saved? Yes, but because we're obeying His command if nobody gets saved. God may use you to put Christians to shame out there. How many I've gone to, and those over at Christian House of Prayer and other places said, oh, we ought to be doing this. Shame on us. And encourage them. What church would Jesus attend? What would He join? And what would He support? Listen, you ought to be just as tender about where you give your money. A church ought to have a mission program. Soul winning program. They ought to be separated from the world. Listen, I'm not against po politics in regard to the fact that we, we went out and had our march against, uh, against wickedness. We had that before you got here. Except for Mrs. Crossman. Maybe Pastor Hammonds and just a couple others. We, this, is our, this was our fourth this year. I think this was our fourth. March for righteousness against wickedness. But we're not going to spend all year marching on everything. We've got to march on the forces of hell and pluck them from the burning. We've got to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from hell and the grave and sin in the grave. And that's the primary job of the church. I want to know if you're involved with it. And I want to know if you're going to be involved with it in 2002. And how involved with it are you going to be in 2002? You think we just have a soul winning program for the pastor? I believe it's, it's good for you and for your well-being. Amen. I believe we need to be careful about other ministries. I'll tell you, I think that was a blessing. I didn't get over there, but I got over to Mrs. Kano's next door when you all came over there and sang to her. You know, the Lord reminded me, pure religion and undefiled before the world is to care for the widows and the orphans and their affliction. Pure religion. I don't know, so many people that believe the King James Bible, they say, I don't like the word religion. Well, it's in my King James Bible. Say only one time, that's enough for me. Pure religion and undefiled before God is to care for the widows and the orphans. That's the job. The fatherless, and, and that's all through the Old Testament. The widows. That's why they took up the special offering. I mean, they, they had to get seven, seven men full of the Holy Ghost and faith that we may appoint them over this business of taking care of the neglected widows. Don't you think that was a blessing, you coming over there and singing to Mrs. Kano? She's a widow. I heard she goes to a Baptist church. She came here to our revival and thought Doug Thompson was something else. She said he could, his father could have been, uh, I think I heard his father, she said, about 20 or 30 years ago over at the Baptist college I graduated from. She said he was just like him. I never heard anything like Doug Thompson, hardly. So, uh, you know, and I mean, what did you do? You went over there and you were trying to be sweet and kind and uh, gave a short message, Pastor Hammonds, to those widows over there. It's mainly all women, isn't it? Only most all of it's women, isn't it? So, is that a good thing to do? I think it is. I think it's all right to do that. I think it's good. Care for the widows. 
I feel like I always have to hold back when I go to the nursing homes. And I want to preach like they're all men. Repent! They'd throw me out in a week. I wouldn't last a week. You're going to hell, every one of you! They wouldn't want that. See, so I just let some of you others do the nursing home ministry. I, I'm just... I heard of another family. He was over there about two years. They took him for two years over in Copper's Cove, and they said, we can't have you anymore. They changed the directors. They said, can't have you anymore to some fellow. I said, well, I could have told you that a long time ago. I mean, people don't want strong preaching, some of them. You know where I'm coming from? But what? Is pure religion and undefiled to care for the widows? It doesn't say the, it doesn't say the widower. Now, I thank God for your concern for Brother Wall, you know, Hugh Wall. Because what? He lost his wife three years ago. But it says widows and what? Fatherless. Fatherless. You know where the emphasis is there? Is the widow lost the strong one in the home, the man. And the what? Fatherless. Doesn't say the motherless, does it? It says the fatherless, doesn't it? Why? Because you need a father to supply the needs. Boy, our homes in America sure need a father. Here, Mrs. Mary Strickland said that uh, the average man in America doesn't spend over 10 minutes a day with his kids. Isn't that sad? And, you know, I heard a statistic the other week, and it said that men in America are working more than they used to work in hours. More than years ago, they're working more hours. I'm glad they're industrious, but they're not going to be with their kids. And it may be just that they're more concerned about money than they are their kids or taking time with their wife. What professing Christians would Jesus spend most of his time with? Ones in fellowship with the church? In right relationship with the church? Or those... Talking against the church. Listen, you find anybody that starts talking about what's wrong with Pastor Hammonds. Now, he's, see, he's quieter than I am, and so we don't hear as much of it. He's just like the, the general over there. So he's still got some of that military in him. Keep it, brother. Just stay yourself. See, he's going to be above the people. You better be. You better be. But, see, I get right under your skin because I preach to you. Uh, that's my job. And so they, they don't love me as much as you, Brother Hammonds, but they ought to. Now they do, but not when they get upset with me. When they first come in, they really think I'm wonderful. They want to give me everything and, and give me all their time and money and everything. And then when they get disgruntled and they get around these people that are wagging their tongues about the preacher, well, that was a good sermon, but... Couldn't he be a little kinder? Yeah, I could be, but if you pray, maybe I would be. Couldn't he say that same thing in a nicer way? I, I could, but if you, maybe you don't deserve it that way. Maybe I wouldn't get your attention. I don't know. My sweet wife, she said, Honey, when you're up in New York, you should have talked in a nicer way or something. When you get down south, or vice versa, I can't remember which it was. I said, honey, I just have to be the way I am no matter where I am. And she's about said, well, just go ahead. I'm praying for you. Now we got a mixture of everything, Yankees and Southerners and got everything here. Cosmopolitan all the way here. Are you thankful as Jesus always is? Listen, you can, you can take inventory tonight and you can find out about goals tonight by finding out what is your attitude about thankfulness. Are you thankful for this church? I mean, right at this very moment, are you as thankful as you've always been for this church and for this pastor? If not, you're not right with God in regard to this pastor and this church. Did you hear what I said? Hmm? And the ministry. I'll tell you what, we need to pray one for another. Amen? Pray one for another. Try to be tender-hearted. By the way, I haven't come to that verse, but I might miss it. Look over to Matthew with me. 
You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? I'll tell you what. You better be cautious in everything you do. Prayerful and everything. Uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse number 9. We need to quit here in a minute. Some of you said, amen. Getting pretty long, preacher. Whoa. Jumping all over me all night. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Let me, let me mention this to you, too. You are not David Cloud. And you're not Brother Jasmine. And to tell you the truth, I wouldn't want to be either one of them. I thank God for their ministry, but I wouldn't want to be either one of them. I think they both need a good dose of soul winning. I said both of them. You can pray for them that way. Hello? Hmm? Probably Doug Thompson too. Probably most all of us. Are you with me now? But if you're not careful, you're trying to set everything right, and that's not the ministry, the main ministry God's given you. I thank God for David Cloud. And I thank God for, for Brother Jasmine. Are you with me now? Come on. Do you think I'm talking about him? I'm praying for him. Amen? But when I go over there and I'm over there at the, at the place, and if, if they're not giving out the tracks and showing me up, I wonder what's wrong with them. Because I don't have to do that with Brother Godfrey. He's a lot older. Well, not a lot older than Brother Jasmine. I didn't say they weren't soul winners. I didn't say they weren't soul conscious. I'm not trying to criticize them. Are you with me? I thank God for their ministry. But I know the one thing I let down on first is my soul winning. And I need encouragement in those areas. We've had evangelists come in here and they needed evangelism. They've been in so many dead churches they about made us dead. And then you get Brother Stevens come in here and he's fired up. And Brother Godfrey, soul conscious. I want to ask you a question. Is there any, anybody in here, and you were in a church maybe not too long ago, and they had more emphasis on soul winning than even here? I'd like to see your hands. I'm sure there's somebody's going to be raising their hand probably. No? Huh? Okay, there, one. Okay. I thought the, the, I thought the Julians would raise their hands because I'll tell you what, we need more emphasis on soul winning here than we even have. They were in a church in Washington State. Boy, that's all I ate, drank, and slept. I think the soul went out there. Maybe not, though. See? But I'm saying, if we don't keep fired up about soul winning around here, what you know what's going to happen? These people are going to come from these churches where they're real fired up, and they're going to come in with a smile on their face, and you're going to take that smile right off their face. They're going to be all fired up about winning souls and not so critical about how they're doing it because they're just plumb doing it. Now, I'm against this easy believism and no repentance. You know that. But the truth of the matter is, I just read a, a letter like that, and Brother, brother uh, Compton didn't say one, Brother George Compton didn't say one thing about repentance or nothing, but I believe they're getting saved. If he walks in and a girl says, I want to be saved, I want to be saved, and he never met her before, I think God's doing something. And then I liked what he said right after. Well, let's just kneel down right here, young lady. <laughs> no wonder he can even get up as old as he is if he gets down. Probably has to have to ask the young 18-year-old girl to help him up. I mean, he's old, friends. He's 70 or 80. I don't know. He's old. Got more spunk about soul winning than some of us do. And every letter he writes is almost the same. I've been down this road and I've been... Out door knocking. I wonder who in the world you've been door knocking lately. Hmm? Brother Dale Aguiar talks about soul winning. Door knocking. Well, you better be out there doing something. What would Jesus spend most of his time doing? And who would he spend most of his time with? You better not spend your time around a bunch of disgruntled Christians. You will be against everything and everybody before long. You cannot stay around these people. 
you say, well, I'm strong. You're not strong enough. You don't know how crafty and sly they are because they're motivated by the devil to some degree. I didn't say they're a demon. I didn't say they're a demon. I didn't say they're a devil. I said, if they are finding criticism and fault with everything, and they do it in such a, a, a smooth, uh, subversive way. I had one person a long time ago. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a long time ago. And they say, you know how, you know how Pastor Harvey is. They'd be talking about something. A long, a long way away from here. Not in our church now. Okay, you can breathe easy. Okay, not around here. But to my friends and even my relatives. And they said, but you know how Pastor Harvey is. So I called one of these people. I said, did he ever talk to you about me? Oh, he said, he just said this. I said, that's wrong! See, what you do is you just slip a little sly, sly thing in there, you know. Well, you know how he is. You know how Brother Dormy is. No, I don't know how he is. Tell me how he is. I mean, tell me now! In fact, we're going to his house, Brother Dormy's house. We want to find out how Brother Dormy really is. Amen? So what you ought to do with these people talking about the pastor, let's go see the pastor right now and talk about this right now. Oh, he's right in the church here. The pastor, right? Heck, they'll get out of there quick. They'll want to drop that thing right away. Oh, I've got something else to do. I'll see you tonight, brother. Listen, we are all prone to listen to gossip, this pastor included. But I find that when people are always accusing you of gossip or something else, that's their own problem. Say, boy, you gave us a scorcher tonight, preacher. I think we need it. Because I think we need to check up and get ready for the problem before it gets here. Are you thankful as Jesus always was thankful? In everything, give thanks. What about Lot? Lot made one bad move. Better be careful you don't make bad moves. And I think you're going to have to be almost more careful than you were uh, five and ten years ago because there aren't as many good churches out there. I didn't say we're a perfect church. You've known that. I just told you we ought to have soul winning even more emphasis. Not at the expense of something else, you follow? But we ought to have emphasis. We ought to emphasize the main things. If you don't keep people saved, they don't know how to love Jesus or worship Jesus or please God in any fashion. They've got to get saved. So the devil will get us on a rabbit trail in talking about everything else but getting people saved. Stay around soul-winning people. What are you going to do in 2002? Are you going to stay around soul-winning pastors? Look, at, I'm not the best soul-winner in the world, but I am soul-conscious. I've got enough sense to know that I am soul-conscious. I never go out of my house hardly without being in my uniform. That's my... Three by five cards, my gospel tracts, my pen, and my Bible or New Testament. I'm just not in uniform. I've been carrying a New Testament around. Look at I got it here because we may be over to McDonald's a little later, and I might need my New Testament. I might have left my Bible out in the car. I got my tracks right here. You see that? I'm wondering where your tracks are. You say, well, should we preach on that? Joe Grab did. Down at his home church, he said, down there at the church, I don't know if I learned it here. He said, I don't think I did, but I learned it down at, at Tabernacle that you're not in uniform unless you have your gospel tracts and your three-by-five card and your pen and your New Testament. You better, have your, you better be in uniform. You say, well, the early disciples didn't. I know they didn't, but we do. And so have it and show it to them. Let them read it even. Well, we better live a balanced life or we'll pay for it one day. So will your wife and your children and your relatives and your friends if you don't learn to have a balanced Christian walk. 
That means you stand against all evil. You stand for all which is right. You, you promote soul winning. You're involved with it. I mean, I've got a stack of tracks over there on my little thing that, that Mrs. Miller gave me that. Didn't you see that little chair, whatever that thing is? You've got a place where you hang your coat on. I, I've done it once or twice. I and and I got a little table up here. My wife likes it, so I, I'll keep it for at least another six months, at least, or a year or two or three. If she doesn't like it, it goes. I don't know, everything goes. Anyhow, but anyhow, and so I have a little place down here. You're supposed to sit there, but I put all my stuff down there. And I've got my tracks and my breath mints. I got a pack of tracks there and a pack of tracks up there, and I got a pack of tracks to try to. So I don't run out of tracks. I have a, in every one of my suit coats, I, I, I put about about that many tracks in each in in one pocket, and then I put my breath mints in my other pocket. Because the one fellow who led me uh, tried to lead me to the Lord again when I was just in the Navy, and man, all I could remember is his foul breath. He thought I got saved again. I, I was already saved, but anyhow, I enjoyed it. It was exciting. Just hearing him witness to people. And he didn't take anybody's word for it. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. As young as I was in the Navy, I'm glad he didn't take my word for it because a lot of other fellows probably got saved because he didn't take their word for it. Or they thought they were saved and they weren't, but I knew I was. So at the Victory Center, the Pentecostal one, they led me to the Lord. And then at the, the place where the guy had the bad breath, well, that was at the Pacific Guard Mission down there where they had the servicemen's mission. I, st- I stayed overnight there. Whew. On State Street. No wonder someone didn't kill me. I walked there in the nighttime, I think, one time. Oh, not again. I've grown up in the Lord a little bit. I mean, they'd kill anybody for a dollar bill down there. Yep, Lot, Lot made one bad move. Stay around soul-winning people. Stay around disgruntled and it will affect and infect you. It will affect you and it will infect you with a deadly poison. See, we're supposed to be talking about how good God's been to us. I mean, Thanksgiving ought to run right over through Christmas and all right through the whole all year. Don't major, oh, here it is again, don't major on politics and marches. We have a march. Be well balanced. Well, I'll go to my last point here. We're almost through. Hang on. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. We already covered that. And then what about your giving? Are you as excited about your giving as you used to be? I don't know, but I fear that somebody not too long ago they decided they'd rather have their tithe themselves. I don't know that as a fact, but I know one, it's a very dangerous thing. You young men, you need to learn to give. If you don't tithe your income to the Lord's work, and it should be a local church, because then you can check up and make sure your money's going the right place. Then the Bible says, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Tithes and offerings. And I close with this. What would Jesus do in every situation? Where you go, what you think, what you say. Oh, preacher, you're saying so much all in one mouthful. Yeah, not an easy thing to live a Christian life, is it? But oh, when you have your eyes on Jesus, it just becomes simple. You get your eyes on yourself and it becomes very precarious. Very difficult to live a Christian life. And you know what it is? It's it's probably about 90% attitude. How is your attitude toward the book? Do you still reverence the book? Do you feel a need to still read your Bible and pray and have your family devotions and your personal walk with God and soul winning? What about how will you be a year from now if Jesus doesn't come back? Will we be in better shape a year from now? 
See, it really doesn't matter where you are or what country you're in it's, it's if you're right with God. For He's in every country. His book is there too. Hallelujah. You'll find it somewhere. Amen. You'll find you a Bible. If you studied it enough, if, if it was taken away from you, you'd still have enough in your mind to keep you, keep you going for a while, a good while, a year or two or three. Amen? Because you've memorized so much of it. Hide its words in your heart. Well, we, last Wednesday, I think it was, we talked on, we preached on uh, taking inventory. And this week, we preached on, do you have any goals? Wouldn't it be a nice idea to say, dear Lord, I'd like to win 50 souls to Christ this year. I'd like to win, when that, that, young, when that uh, middle-aged man took me as a young man back into a side area there in that beautiful Emmanuel Baptist Church in Waukegan, New York, or North Chicago, New York, somewhere, I mean, Illinois, Illinois. We went back in there. He said, what do you want to do? He says, uh, what's your problem? I said, I just want to do more for the Lord. He said, why don't you ask God for 100 souls? I said, boy, that sounds good to me. Didn't even have a plan, but I had a Savior. I had a Christ. And I loved Him. And boy, it wasn't long. He gave me John 10, and it wasn't long till I led about 30-some to Christ right there at that place. But then I moved over to another fort. And when you move, a lot of times you get off off base and you get out of your regular routine and you can get off. And, and I started getting into wanting to speak in tongues and wanting to raise the dead and heal the sick and go into all those, um, those what do they call them, uh, Assembly of God churches. And when I was doing that, I wasn't getting people saved. You can love Jesus with all your heart and you get off base because you get around the wrong people. With the wrong emphasis. Was I still saved? Yes. But was I still winning souls? No. It's very dangerous when you go from place to place. When you go home on, uh, on vacation, leave time. Go and don't stay too long. You'll get glued to the tube. You'll get rigor mortis of the eye. And it'll be a disease and you'll want more of it when you get back to Tabernacle. And you've been around these people who are loose and don't care if you go to church or not. And you were too slack and didn't go yourself. I know the, what it was is you said the church wasn't as straight as it ought to be. You should have gone somewhere! Go there and preach the devil out of the crowd that's there then! Make everybody get, uh, feel like and give all the church people a track or something if they're all that bad shape. So I've come in here to tell you you need to be born again. Well, I already know that. Well, you still do. Amen. You go home and sit around all those Christians who are dead or those lost people and it'll infect you. It'll infuse you with discouragement in a separated, soul-winning atmosphere. You know, I noticed one thing, Brother Metcalf. When Brother Metcalf came back and John Michael's prayers and his preaching, and he appreciates his place like he did before. And that's the way Brother Hallman needs to come back. And that's the way Brother Grab needs to come back. That's the way you need to come back, amen? But you get around the disgruntles and the, and the complainers. What about those people in the wilderness? They almost all died from murmuring and chiding and complaining. That led them into other sins. Being dissatisfied is a very terrible sin. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you'll do what you ought to be doing here and thanking God for what is here and praising God for what you can do here and doing all you can here, he will give you somewhere else to go and some other ministry to do if you'll do what you ought to do while you're here. Well, Pastor Harvey won't use me. You haven't offered to teach a Sunday school class, so you'd probably have one by now. If you're praying about it, 
have a great attitude about it, a submissive spirit about it, and willing to teach anything and everybody if you can stand them and they can stand you. Are you with me? Hmm? I mean, if, if we can get Jody up here and get him to sing a special, I think there's hope for anybody. I think there's hope for a person even teaching a Sunday school class. You've got to have a good attitude about life. Amen? You singing in the choir now, too? I guess he's even, he's even made the choir. Man, alive. <laughs> oh, Brother Jody, we'll never forget you, son. I tell you, Jody's had, Jody, from the time he's gotten saved, and he needs to keep it, too. Amen? But he's had a good attitude about things. You don't see Jody down there, yeah, boy, I'm having a real problem. I mean, his car can be blown up and ruined. Everything going wrong. He has to walk to work. Everything going wrong. And Jody's glad he's saved. Glad he can serve God. Listen, what? Just, you can make something a life, or you can just be an old grump. And nobody will want to be around you. Nobody will want to call on you to pray. Because you don't have anything good to pray about. Hmm? All you're worried about is your problems, your troubles. And everyone else has got enough of their own. They don't want to hear about yours. Are you with me? Everybody's got enough of their own. They don't want to hear about your problems. Well, let's bow our heads for prayer. How are we going to do in 2002? I hope we do better than last year. I hope I'd do better. I hope I'd have a better attitude toward my wonderful Lord and my Bible and toward my wife toward my children, toward my family, toward my co-workers, Pastor Hems and his wife, and their sacrificial giving of themselves for the school and all the ministries around here. We ought to love one another and pray for one another, lift each other up, and thank God for each other. Our Father, we pray thy blessing. Speak to hearts. We pray.